into the contest. It's Tuesday, the 6th of July. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by Shane Lee. Shane, we've seen $300,000 worth of fines to the Dragons and the whole debacle. Paul Vaughan, eight weeks, but I don't want to go with the negative. I want to go with the positive. We're going to start talking about the Olympics. And, of course, you have a famous Olympic history. You carried the flame. I did, mate, through Wollongong. I, I ran the Shell Harbour leg. Quite appropriate was Wollongong. <laughs> it was the fastest time ever recorded, apart from when <laughs> the COVID police showed up at uh, Vaughan's house the other night and the boys were sprinting away. But, um, no, I, I, I might even bring out uh, – I've still got the Olympic gear that I ran in. And I've got the torch at home here, so I might get it out for the start of the Olympics, mate. I'm a bit pumped up. Oh, good. Is it, would it fit? It'd be, be nice and... Oh, mate, I'm sure it'll get on somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Wear it all as a bandana, if it was me. Today on the show, we have the voice of cycling legend Phil Liggett, of course, the Tour de France. We had an Australian stage winner in Stage 9. Rugby League player, radio host Katie Brown, and our editor-at-large, Rob Gilbert, takes a look at England and the world game. They're getting excited at the Euros. Well, the Tour de France, stage nine, and it was an Australian victory. 25-year-old Ben O'Connor from Western Australia. And with that, I'll welcome the voice of cycling around this beautiful world of ours. Phil Liggett, how are you? I'm very well, and it was a pleasure to call Ben O'Connor over the line yesterday because it was without doubt the toughest stage of the Tour so far. Twelve riders gave up the race yesterday on the eve of a rest day. It's a long time, Tim, since I've heard of that in the Tour de France. Where does this put someone like Ben O'Connor in 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 the in the actual uh, tournament itself? Is he is he a guy that's on the up and coming, or where do you see him moving forward? Well, what he did, he came out to the sort of the depths of the overall classification because he was in the lead the whole day, mm. and and the weather was atrocious. That what they were climbing up mm. to nearly seven thousand feet, wow. over two thousand meters of climbing every every climb they climb, and the temperature plummeted down to five or six degrees. So the biggest problem was the riders were freezing. Didn't seem to affect the man that comes from Perth. I guess it's always cold in Perth. I'm just joking. <laughs> and um, I have to say that he handled the cold weather so well. He dropped two top Colombian climbers. He rode home, uh, home to team alone. A massive applause and cheers. He rides for a French team, so the French went mad, of course. He was a, an Aussie winning, <laughs> winning the state of the Tour de France, or France, if you like. And, and he's gone up to second place overall. Wow. Second overall in the Tour de France. And this, by the way, is a race for second place because the leader, Tade Pogaccia, uh, he's in a race of his own. He's so far ahead, he's unbelievable. He's phenomenal, is he, Pogaccia? Um, and, I, and I really struggle to pronounce his name. I think I've given it about 25 different pronunciations. I've given it about 25 different pronunciations over the past few weeks. Now, uh, look, uh, it's been an interesting Tour de France. It actually, it's looking, and, and look, I think we're all looking for little trinkets of normality, aren't we? And, and we're seeing crowds in stages and, and hearing the bells and things like that. that makes you feel a little bit better about the world. Yeah, uh, they've got COVID, obviously, in France. They've not got quite as much. We're continuing to get cases in the high 20,000s every day. Mm. Uh, so much so, the government here today is saying, uh, we're cancelling all restrictions in two weeks' time, and we're just going to have to learn to live with it. It's as simple as that. Life is going to continue to return to normal. Yeah. But the French have really handled the situation. I noticed the crowd are wearing masks by choice or not, and the vast majority are or not. Um, and they're enjoying it. It's brought back all the atmosphere 
of one of the greatest sporting happenings on the open highway. And it is so good to see. They are they are able to be alongside the riders screaming down their ears. I'm not sure they like it, but boy, it's brought all the atmosphere back. And, and Ben O'Connor yesterday got an amazing reception. Um, I've nicknamed this the Tour of Tears, the Tour de Tears, simply mm. because every time a rider wins, he starts crying. And that's just a sign of relief and the pressure. And, and it's happened right through the tour from the very first day uh, when Julien Alaphilippe crossed the finishing line on day one. Yesterday, as I say, we lost 12 riders, so the field is only 166 strong as we go into the second week of the event. Well, the second uh, third of the event. And I have to say that um, it's it, the, the pressure. I think the feeling is great success. This yeah, race is well, on. We're all getting back to normal. Yippee. Yeah, it is. It is nice, and and yeah, we are getting back to normal. We're we're in a little bit of a lockdown at the moment. We can see some green shoots. Thirty four today, mate. It's gone gone crazy. Oh, it's... so many thirty four. Oh, <laughs> we still can't catch a train. Uh, Phil, good to talk to you. Hopefully, we'll talk to you over the next few days. It'd be wonderful uh, as we get to the zenith of uh, the Tour de France. Good stuff, and do come on whenever you can, Tim. It's, uh, let's hope we can call another Aussie victory. It's a possibility. Go on, you, Phil. You're a legend, mate. Thanks, buddy. She plays rugby league, reports it, presents it. Katie Brown is with us next on Afternoon Sport. It's one of the best times of the week, of course. Not as good this week because we didn't beat Queensland last week. But anyway, I still love talking to a reporter. She plays at everything to do with rugby league. Katie Brown, how are you? Hello, Shane. Hello, Tim. I'm good. How are you both? Really well, Katie. Let's start with my, uh, how can I say it, my idiot dragons. What what are they doing down Shell Harbour? Look, I grew up in that area and look, I, I'm very accustomed to a good house party, but you just don't do it in the middle of COVID, do you? No. And also, when you say you're doing really well, I feel like you're just covering up your true feelings. Right now, you must be gutted. <laughs> I have gutted. <laughs> Let's be real. Oh, $305,000 all up between these 13 players. Eight weeks for Paul Vaughan. All the other 12 get a week. Um, and their their fines are relative to their salary. But some of them are looking at 50K, including Paul Vaughan um, and Corey Norman. I just think this is so selfish and not to mention just the plain outright word dumb. So dumb yeah. of them. You know, they've put, they've jeopardized their whole team. They're coming seventh right now. And not to mention lying to the integrity unit and lying to the police. Yeah. Like hiding Jack DeBellin under the bed. Are you kidding me? How the stupid. Guy, the the guy's just come off rape charges and he's, like, he's gone through hell and then he's got through that. And now he's got a $42,000 fine. Like, come on, mate. You've got to grow, you've got to grow up. And to put, and for Paul Vaughan, who was guilty of the cafe last year, to open up his house in the manner, it, it is just absolute stupidity everywhere you look. And they undermine not only themselves, they undermine the whole competition, but the whole community that's in bloody lockdown. It's extraordinary. And I feel, I sent out a tweet, I, I feel for the Dragons fans because they are the most passionate or some of the most passionate sports fans in the world. Well, anyway, on to something more positive, New South Wales clean sweep, Katie. Uh, just, uh, despite the injury. Just looks that way, doesn't it? Sorry, I just need to get that sword out of my back. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, the only thing I feel that we've got in our way is that you've had a few changes. Uh, that there's nothing bad about it, though. I know that uh, Freddie Fittler was talking to media, and then mid Zoom call, we know that the doctor came in and said actually Daniel Saifidi is now out as well. So um, Clint Gutherson he comes into the side, and also West Tigers prop uh, Stefano Tokamano, he's in mm. number twenty. I don't think he. Mm will get a run, but um, 
Dale Finucan shall get a run in the 17, which is great to see. He's a great clubman. Now, Kayla, there's some real big issues, I reckon. I, I keep saying this sort of week in, week out, but the scores are so big, the differences. Like you're, you're looking over the weekend, you know, you've got a few close games, but Storm beating the Roosters 46-0, um, Bulldogs going down to Manly 66-0. Like Manly, honestly, they uh, – I think – Tom Tavoyevich threw two forward passes and had three tries disallowed. They could have racked up 100 there. The scores are getting out of control, aren't they? Absolutely. And even my Gold Coast Titans, as much as I love yep. them, for them yep. to beat the Raiders 44-6, that's, that's scary. Yep. Um, I, I, do, I do appreciate that the blowout scores are not great for the game. And I haven't been enjoying rugby league like our rugby league fans. They're very passionate. And they definitely let me know about that one on Twitter. But I do think it'll get <laughs> – better. Wayne Bennett made some really interesting comments today. I, I'm a big fan of Wayne. Um, and he well, said, he's a fellow South man, isn't he, Wayne? The old Clint Eastwood. He just cracks me up too. Like his press conferences always deliver gold for us journalists. But he, he made a good point. He said, you can never perform at your best when you're in an environment as a journalist and you don't like your boss or you don't have a healthy workplace environment. He said, you need to look further into this. This is not players who are not up to the standard. This is starting from the top. I'm not naming any clubs, but look at the ones who are doing poorly and look at how they're being run. And I thought that's a pretty good point. Mm. I think, he, look, Brisbane had a win on the weekend. You'd think he'd be eyeing them off. I, I, I wonder what's going on with, with Ricky. would be just tearing his hair out, whatever he has left. Uh, Trent Barrett, boy, oh boy, thank God he was in the in, in the grandstand this time and not on the sideline. We would have seen uh, real tears because that was just an absolute flogging. But, yeah, I, 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 tend, to, I tend to sort of see where he's coming from. Um, you know, Craig Bellamy, he turns mediocre, moderate footballers into exceptional football players. That's why they're paid the big bucks and there's not a lot of great coaches around. Finally, uh, Katie, the Roosters, uh, they they sort of treading on eggshells at the moment because obviously they're in that whole Bondi area. The cluster, the original cluster came from there. Yeah, yeah. They've come off very, very lucky. This could have been a disaster. Basically, the Roosters had to can training earlier this week. Uh, Fletcher Baker, who was playing in that loss, he got forced into isolation because he was a close contact to a COVID case. They're still allowed to go get essential items from, um, say, Woolies or Coles, but he's come into a close contact. So has to return negative result. Everybody's had to go get tested and they're waiting for advice. But once all the tests come back, they should be good to go. Just a couple of them need to go get tested. Mm. It's been interesting seeing some of the exercise, people's definition of exercise, sort of standing on each other's heads at Pondi really has been like. Mate, I was up at Rawson the other day. The kids were running around on, on, on Saturday and it was like prime season at uh, Perisha or, or a Threadbow. There was that many Mosmanites <laughs> lurking around. Around. Yeah, the, the ground up there is ridiculous. But uh, That's great. I don't care how unfit you are. You can do more than one sit-up per minute, all right? Like- okay, well, I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, uh, let, let's get some sit-ups done between now and next week. We've certainly got time on our hands. Katie, always great to chat. We'll chat then, huh? Thanks, Jens. Appreciate it. Have a good week. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, our editor-at-large, Rob Gilbert, looks at the Euros. Are we seeing the emergence of a new asset class in the sports sector? How was the breakaway football super league to be financed? How much was that private equity investment into volleyball? What are investors' plans for Davis Cup tennis? I'm Reese Lenarduzzi, the head of advisory at Athlon Partners, a global fund and corporate advisory firm specialising in the investment and acquisition of sports organisations and sports assets. I'm also host of the all-new podcast, Sportonomic, 
Join me as I speak to industry experts, athletes, stakeholders and other key players to uncover the curtain engine and machinations of sport. Each week, I venture beyond the mere headlines and into the depths of the issues surrounding sports business, sports law, sports economics and finance. Find us on your favourite podcast app. Sportonomic, sponsored by Athlon Partners. Come find out about the emerging universe of sports capital at athlonpartners.com. It is all happening in the world game. The Euros, of course, English supporters. They're the ones we mostly hear from. Rob Gilbert, our editor-at-large, uh, they are just on the edge, aren't they, the English supporters, as they head to Wembley later in the week to play Denmark. Well, they sure are, Timmy. G'day, Shane. Um, anyone who follows the world game would know the last time England won a major trophy was in 1966. Uh, it was at Wembley. They beat the Germans in the World Cup final. But ever since then, it's 25 years of pain. It's 30 years of pain. It's uh, major expectations building up only to be deflated by penalty shootouts more often than not at the hands of Germany. But they've knocked off the Germans and uh, and they're one step away from the final. They have, mate. And um, I'll just go back over the history and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, look at Italy v Spain. The, the Spanish have had the upper hand over the Italians in the, in the big meets in recent years. Um, but the Italians look pretty good, don't they? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, Spain were the great underachievers of uh, the world game for many, many years until they went through a golden era and won two Euros and a World Cup uh, in three consecutive editions. Uh, so during that period of time, obviously the most recent two decades or so, uh, they've had the wood on the Italians. But the Italians, four World Cups, uh, Euros, they just win and uh, they are coming off the back though of one of the, the great humiliations for Italian football in uh, the fact that they didn't qualify for the Russian World mm. Cup uh, a few years ago. So they, under Roberto Mancini, are, uh, are performing above the expectations of most pundits. Uh, not only are they performing uh, and getting results, but they're doing it. And I know we've discussed this already in the last couple of weeks, but with a style and a panache and uh, and a goal-scoring verve that they just haven't brought to the table, that traditionally their style mm. has been known as the catenaccio, which is a uh, the, the lock, <laughs> uh, a padlock, you know. Sounds, and- like, sounds, like a, sounds like a lovely pasta to me. <laughs> but, 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 but you went down the Ligon Street, didn't you, the other day? Because, of course, you're married to an Italian. Sandra's uh, father got received soul was from Rome, a mother who's no longer with us, Maria, from uh, down south in Calabria. Yeah, that's right. And um, so uh, my, your nephew, Thomas, uh, my oldest son and his best mate, Massimo, are uh, definitely passionate about the Azzurri. So uh, we went down there. All the, you know, COVID restrictions and suitable behaviours were observed, but uh, they went off, as uh, you mentioned earlier, Timmy, like the uh, proverbial frog in the uh, sock. But uh, uh, they've got to get past Spain, as Shane already mentioned, and and Spain uh, have been working their way into a tournament. So the the spectre of the Spaniards uh, improving gradually after a fairly slow start, uh, and and one of the greatest players of the past two decades, Sergio Ramos, not even selected in the squad. Uh, Gerard Moreno uh, is one of the great uh, up and coming strikers of the modern era, so he's uh, expected to do a lot. So that's that's Italy v Spain on Wednesday morning. The winner will take on England, who take who play Denmark, and, and as we all know, after the Christian. Ericsson um, drama in the opening match of the tournament where he had a cardiac arrest on the field in Copenhagen. Uh, he's better now and uh, and, it, and, the, and the Danish have been carried on this wave of emotion. But we can't underestimate the fact that the last time they played England, it was only in October last year, they beat them at Wembley. So yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. They're not duffers. They uh, they rank tenth in the world, um, and uh, and even without Ericsson, uh, they they've they've got a, a squad littered with uh, uh, top league players from the great competitions around the world. So the English won't have it all on their own. But still, they're a dollar fifty favourites to the Danes. Five dollars. The bookies don't often get it wrong. So uh, I, I think we're headed for an Italy England uh, final on uh, on on Monday morning, five a.m. our time. I agree, mate. And just quickly, um, the Copper America, which is the equivalent, America's equivalent of the Euros, um, it's looking like a promoter's dream, mate. Brazil v Argentina, potentially. Exactly. And even more so, the fact that uh, Lionel Messi, uh, you know, people just assume that he's won everything, but uh, he's never won a major men's title. He's won at the junior level, but he's never won a major men's title, either Copper America or World Cup for Argentina. So it's the one missing trophy in his cabinet. So uh, the last time Argentina won the Copper America was back in 1993. They've lost four of the last six finals, and Brazil, uh, who are obviously uh, Brazil, they um, are headed towards them. They uh, look as we go to air, uh, uh, the Brazil Peru semi final hasn't been played, but uh, there's no pundit that I'm speaking to that thinks that, that Peru are much more of a chance of competing with Brazil. So, uh, Argentina have got to get over Colombia mm. on Wednesday morning. So, that, look, we're, I'm getting ahead of myself predicting the Brazil, the Brazil Argentina final, but it'll be epic if it is. Yeah, there's so much going on. And uh, who would have ever thought there'd be 18 AFL teams in Victoria three weeks ago when we were talking to you in your 55th lockdown? Robbie, we will chat again next week. Some exciting days ahead. Yeah, we might touch on a bit more of that AFL story. Just crazy. Last last year, we couldn't get a game in Melbourne. Now, uh, every club in town's here and it's all happening. So good to talk to you, Timmy. Good to talk to you, Shane. Have a good week, boys. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you, of course. What a show we've had. Phil Liggett, Katie Brown, Rob Gilbert, and to Spartan Sports, a big thank you. Yeah, www.spartansportshq.com. And our wonderful producer, Mr. Dan McHugh, will be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.